And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine. Only on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to Tapped Out. We appreciate you checking us out this Saturday night. Wherever you are on the BetQL Network. That's Brendan. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. As always, produced by Jake Noaker. If you missed earlier today, Tom Aspinall, it took about a minute and a half took out Marcin Tybor in the main event of UFC London, the co-main event. Meatball Molly McCann lost by armbar. She got submitted by Julia Storyalenko. So congratulations if you had the underdog money in the co-main event at plus 175. Last week, we haven't talked about this since our show went down before the Holly Holm fight. She got choked out in the second round by Myra Bueno Silva. I remember going into it, and I said Holly Holm is a little bit overrated, and you scoffed and laughed and said, what do you mean? You don't remember when she kicked yeah. Ronda Rousey in the head? Now can we say, I mean, I know it's only one fight, but I don't know how much more Holly Holm has left. Yeah, it was a tough way to go. I mean, only the second submission loss of her career. I mean, the first one was, of course, a high-stakes one where she lost to Ta- Misha Tate, but a uh, tough way to go for Holly. I mean, she is, what, 40, 41? 41, yeah, 41 years old, so... Yeah, she's up there, man. I don't know how much she has left in the tank. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it, it does seem like it, it may be catching up with her. Uh, props to you for for calling her for being washed early. That's not what I wanted. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm just that sounds like you're taking a victory lap on Holly being washed. You know how I do. I calls them like I sees them, and I think that Holly might be getting a little old in front of our eyes. That's all I'm saying. Uh, speaking of getting old in front of our eyes, Josh Emmett, Looks like he's going to move up to lightweight for his retirement fight. That happened quick, right? Multiple times he's come on our radio show. Always enjoy our conversation with him. Fought for a title last time out. And now it's looking like he's got one more fight left and he's going to hang up the gloves. Yeah, it sounds like he's trying to get uh, Patty Pimblett seems to be the way that he's going to go. So interesting uh, way to go out. Because I feel like if you beat Patty Pimblett at lightweight, I feel like that's only going to kind of reinvigorate you to go around. It's kind of a weird one for him to want to go out on. I don't know if uh, Robbie Lawler going out with a 38-second knockout has given everybody the goosies and they want to, you know, go out on top right. or what that is. But um, I don't know. I don't love it. I don't. F- I feel like Josh Emmett still has something left in the tank. Featherweight's a tough division. It's a tough division. He's lost to some tough guys. Taporia's obviously a monster. And Yair, you know, I mean, that's a really hard guy to beat. You know, so... Yeah, the Calvin Cater fight was was really really close, but he's also a guy who's kind of sneaky old too. Like it's it's one of the, he's been around for a while. He's had some injuries, so I get it. Um, it's just kind of a it's a weird way to go out. You know, you've known him as that at a featherweight for a long time. Go back to lightweight now. A um, little bit strange. If that is the fight that we see, I think Patty gets his ass knocked out. I think Josh Emmett has a very uh, Robbie Lawler type final fight. I don't think it takes long either. I mean, yeah, that would be that'd be a tough way to go for Patty if you end up losing right? to uh, a Josh Emmett coming up in weight and you got knocked into the bleachers. That would be tough. His retirement fight coming off of like, yeah, Patty Pimblett. If he was a stock, the last like year and a half since we really started talking about him a lot, it w- it was pointed straight up, maybe sideways for a little bit. Feels like maybe it's pointing down. He needs to go out there and get a win against a big name opponent, like. Remember all the smack talk between him and Ilya Taporia? Think about Taporia's yeah. stock where it's gone since then. Skyrocketed. 
Well, not only that, it was funny. Like, I felt like there was more of a pop for him. Like, they showed the crowd today. I'm just, I don't, you know, this is just on Tobe's judgment. But I feel like I, I feel like MVP, Michael Venom Page, who's now a free agent, felt like he got a bigger pop than Patty did. And, you know, I thought it was interesting that they showed Michael Venom Page on the, uh, on the broadcast. So, maybe a sign of things to come. You, sir, are a true professional, because that's where I was going next. Michael Benham Page is, indeed, officially a free agent. He's a name that, if you're a fight fan, Bellator or otherwise, you've been watching this guy for a really long time. now. So we'll have to see what the future of Bellator is, but they've got some fighters that the UFC would absolutely love to sign on their roster. You think about a guy like A.J. McKee, Patricio Pitbull, my guy Johnny Eblen. I mean, depending on what the future of Bellator is, it feels like a lot of these guys, including MVP, could end up in the UFC really soon. Yeah, and I think it would be awesome. I mean, just adds to the talent pool. I mean, look, you know, it hasn't been the best win-loss record, but Michael Chandler has definitely taken the star and the presence of being a UFC fighter, and he's run with it. You know, he is – he's, you know, taken every opportunity and said yes, and I feel like his notoriety – has gone up. Maybe that's led more people to realize what his career was. I mean, but think about like Eddie Alvarez winning the belt. I mean, yeah, there there's definitely capabilities of guys coming over from Bellator and doing big things, just like there were with Strike Force guys coming over and doing big things. So MVP, another guy who's kind of sneaky old. You know, he's like 36, but not wa. I mean, that's not washed. Usually, I mean, you know, in mixed martial arts, you can go a little bit into uh, to your early 40s, but you know, if he were to come in there. You want to see him in, in some big fights right away, I feel like. It is. It would be interesting to see how long it would take those guys, those Bellator guys, if there's crossover, to fight for the belt. Like Johnny Eblen, for example. How many fights does he really need in the UFC before he gets a shot at the belt? Yeah, I, I mean, it was interesting, dude. And Like, you know, talking to Daya last week about Johnny Eblen, I, I was like, man, I, I really – would love to see this guy even more so, see what it is. Because he just seems like he's just got, like, everything on his head right now. He's just driven to be one of the best in the world. And so if he got that opportunity at middleweight to do it, I feel like there's not there's not a lot of guys that could deny Johnny Eblen right now. He's just he's just that that real of a dude. Just always in the gym, never stop. A lot like Bo Nickel, just, like, never stops training. Always feels like he's sharpening up his game. So I would, I mean, there's a, there's a ton of Bellator guys if they came over to UFC. No, it's obviously not great as far as like fighter pay is concerned and stuff like that. Like you're losing a branch of competition, but you know, for us fight fans, it makes for some great matchups. That's Brendan Tobin on the Sports Machine show on the V. Next Saturday night is a fight fans paradise. Not only do we get Spence Crawford as far as the boxing goes, but UFC 291, the Octagon moves to Salt Lake City. We've talked a lot about the BMF fight between Dustin and Justin at the top of the car. Let's talk about some of these other fights and your early lean. Your guy, Wonderboy Thompson, is on the card next week, and he's going to join us right here on Tapped Out, so you don't want to miss that next Saturday night. He takes on Michelle Pereira at plus 175. I assume you like Wonderboy even at minus 225? Uh, I do. I mean, I would probably, I'm going to like see what the props are that night and probably see what I can get for him by knockout and things like that to see, you know, where my method is leaning to try to try and get something like that. But yeah, he's, he's a super hard guy to figure out, especially against when it's striker be striker and Pereira is a very unorthodox guy. He likes to throw a lot of different stuff at you. I think that can open you up for Wonderboy kind of picking you apart. 
Uh, certainly, you know, Wonder Boy is not what he was where he was like invincible to the knockout, but he is a tough guy to knock out. So I do, I do leave Wonder Boy. I mean, immediately when he comes on the show, you're going to introduce him as Tobin's pick to be welterweight champion by the end of 2023. Yes. Oh, you're damn right. You know, I'm going to throw you immediately under the bus. It is, it is kind of interesting though, that Wonder Boy, I mean, you're right. You could come up with a crazy roundabout story, how he could end up fighting for the belt again. I don't see it happening, as you said, but I do like him next Saturday night, and I'm willing to pay the minus 225. This is one of those fights, BT, where if you've got some family around that aren't big fight fans, bring them around the TV for this one. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's going to love this fight. I I feel like, yeah, I feel like this is a a card that has to make it that, because you just look at it up and down. There's not a lot of fights on here that, like, you're, you're thinking to yourself, how is that going to be boring, you know? Like, all all these matchups seem like they would lend themselves. I mean, I, I suppose Kiesa versus Holland could go in a rough direction for Kevin Holland in certain respects. But I feel like, man, if you can't be Michael Kiesa, where is Kevin Holland going? You know what I'm saying? No, that's a cool fight. Kevin Holland right now, the favorite at minus 160. You can get Michael Kiesa at underdog money at BetMGM. At plus 130, the one that has me worried, and you know, I know you and I are on different pages about this guy, I think Derek Lewis is washed. And I actually think that Derek Lewis, this pains me to say, I love the Black Beast. I think the Black Beast has the best victory celebration in the history of the Octagon. But all that being said, he's a plus 140 underdog against Marcus Rogeria de Lima next Saturday night. You can get De Lima at minus 165. This is the, this is the uh, showcase on the prelims. I actually could argue that Derek Lewis has been washed for a while. It's just he's fun, he's charismatic, he's good on the microphone, and he's always in fights, right? Even if it's a 25-minute fight and we're 23, 24 minutes in, he still might knock you out. But I think it's been, I don't know, I think you have to go back, BT, like five years. Whenever he fought Francis, not that that was a fun fight, but I would say that was the prime of Derek Lewis, and it's pretty much been downhill since. It's hard to argue. I mean, like, look, he, you know, he was on his four-fight win streak, ended with Curtis Blade. Since then, he's lost four to five. His only win is against Long Chris Dawkins. Yeah, his only wins against Chris Dawkins, and that was kind of Dawkins. They were like, you know, trying to hype him up, and you know, he was able to kind of put an end to that hype train. But since then, you know, you've lost to some some tough guys and Pavlovich. Yeah, lost to some tough guys. He lost to Gone. Tied to Ivasa, Pavlovich, who's killing everybody. And Spivak's probably the one where you're like, yeah, all right. Where is this going? Does he have anything left? Uh, whereas he's taking on a guy in Delima. He's only been knocked out once in his career. Uh, it's a tough one. I mean, he, if, he, if you're not going to finish this one, then yes, I think that you have to have some conversations for sure if you're Derek Lewis. Because another guy, sneaky. All right, if we're talking about... If we're talking about old washed up and having those tough conversations, we have to talk about the fight between Tony Ferguson, the underdog, plus 260, against Bobby King Green at minus 350. And our guest earlier today, Feezy, was making a lot of good points about this fight that Bobby Green's probably going to go to try to win this fight, win it quick, get the bonus, make Tony Ferguson look goofy like he has in his last couple of fights. I think this is it, so enjoy it, because I don't think Tony Ferguson's going to win this fight. I don't think that he even lasts probably more than two rounds. And once it's over, I think he hangs up the gloves, and it pains me to say it, but at some point he has to recognize what we all do, that th- this this thing's pretty much over. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, it's five straight losses. 
Uh, you know, he's gotten finished. But he got finished by Nate Diaz last time out, which is just about a year ago. And, you know, Bobby Green is is durable for sure. You know, his last fight ended with uh, the, the head clash with Jared Gordon, so not a lot of answers there. He has, you know, before that got knocked out by Drew Dover and Islam, which uh, were two tough ones. Here's the thing that's tough with with Tony, because even in the Michael Chandler fight, I think he had moments. The thing oh, with he Tony was good in the first tough, round. Yeah, and that's the thing that's tough about it is I feel like Tony can probably give you a good round, but the thing that made Tony special – Back in the day was, as the fight went on, he got tougher. Like, it became a, a worse – it became worse for the opponent. And now you're like – it's almost like a um, like a Michael Johnson kind of factor where Michael Johnson always looks like he's got a good moment, but something will happen along the way where it's going to get screwed up for him. And I think that's the problem with Tony is, like, this is the guy who became the ultimate war of attrition guy, and now he can't take any attrition. Like, as soon as a guy pushes back a little bit – He's open for something, and then the fight's over. So unless you're going to tell me Tony Ferguson goes out there and chokes out Bobby Green in a, in a round, where do I feel good about picking him in this fight? I don't. Tony's a baseball guy, so I'll give you a baseball analogy. He's lost his fastball, and that doesn't mean he's not going to end up in the Hall of Fame, and that doesn't mean he's not still fun to watch, but he's lost his fastball. And at this point, I think this – enjoy it while it lasts because this could be the last time that we see Tony Ferguson fight in the UFC. Let's talk about the co-main event, and then on the other side, we'll spend some time on the BMF fight. Alex Perea moves up to a uh, light heavyweight to take on Jan Blahovich at plus 120. You can get Perea at even money. I like Polish power in this one. I think he knocks him out. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I understand why you're making that pick, because we just saw him get knocked out by a middleweight, you know, and, and we saw... Izzy have a lot of success. I mean, it's such a big experience difference. You're talking about Jan Blahovich. You know, what are we talking here? 40 professional fights that the guy's got compared to Bejeda, who in MMA is his 10th professional fight. So it's if a that. huge experience. It's a huge experience difference between uh, between the two of them. And it feels like he's got to come up there and he's got to make Jan Blahovich respect his power right away. It's like, Jan Blahovich, like, what are you going to do to, 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 like, scare him with power? Like, he hasn't taken on a ton of guys who hit hard and hasn't taken on a ton of guys. Like, you know, this guy took the guy that, you know, handled you and knocked you out. I mean, he ragged on him to, to keep his belt. I mean, he's also, you want to talk about guys, sneaky old. He's not sneaky old. He's just old. But it's like he's had this resurgence on the back end of his career, and he's still scary, and he's still one of the best in the weight class. I'll weight class that snake bit I give you, but still, like he is, uh, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough ask for Fajeda, who feels like he's going into this with a puncher's chance, but I don't know how his punching power is going to translate to 205. The belt, of course, is vacant in that weight class, light heavyweight, because Jamal Hill uh, rel relinquished it after his injury. I think what's best for the weight class in the UFC is Perea goes out there and wins this fight. We call him the number one contender, and then he gets the shot at the belt against Yuri Prohoshka. I think that's best-case scenario, and Agreed. then we'll see what happens. Because, look, ever since John Jones left, you call it snake bit. I call it boring. They need some sort of infusion at light heavyweight. On the other side, we break down the BMF fight. Keep it right here. You're locked into the BetQL Network.